0: Hello, hello, everyone. This is the VBAC link with Julian, Megan, and we have a guest with you today from Canada. Her name is Jessica, and she has an awesome story for you today. Um, we were just kind of chit-chatting a little bit before the episode began, and we found out that she found us in the very beginning, and it was right after her cesarean which is kind of exciting to us because that's, you know, we want people to be able to find us during their journey of healing before they start preparing as well. And so that was really fun and exciting to hear. She has a fun story today. And one of the things that I think is going to be kind of a, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Like one of a a cool highlight of her story is PROM. So if you don't know what PROM means, that means premature rupture of membranes and that's something that I actually had personally as well. Mm-hmm. But she was ruptured for quite a while. Um in fact, I think it was like 40 is it 48 hours, 40 hours? I think 72 72, 72, but when, um, like before you started getting things going. Yeah. So really cool because a lot of times people think that if their waters are broken for longer than 12 or 18 hours, even 24 hours that it's need for immediate cesarean and it's not. So I'm excited to hear you share that part of your story. And as always, we have a review of the week. So we're going to dive into that review from Julie really quick before we get into this juicy story.
1: Yeah, I love reviews. I think we say it every episode. I can't speak enough about the reviews because I just want to, like, get a little vulnerable here for a minute. Running a podcast its not always sunshine and butterflies, but we absolutely love doing it. We love talking to the people that are on our stories or that share their stories with us, and we love being able to share their stories with you. But these, re- these reviews really, really are the things that keep us going when it gets to be a little bit difficult for us. So if you haven't already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Google or Facebook, um, and you just never know when you're going to make our day with a going review. So this review is from Apple Podcasts, and it's from Future Ballad. And it's called VBAC Support at Its Finest. And just the title like makes me smile. (laughs) And she says, I absolutely love listening to these birth stories. And I love how positive Julie and Megan are. They give facts to go along with each story. They also include birth stories where the VBAC didn't end up happening. It's so important to acknowledge it doesn't always work out. But a woman of strength is someone who has become empowered by knowledge and uses that knowledge to advocate for herself, no matter what the outcome is. I'm going to V Back Like a Boss in November. So she already had her baby uh, when I birth our second son. I will be doing it knowing I have the support of the V-back link community. That makes me so happy. Okay, V-Back Like a Boss, that's a shirt. It's in our
0: shop.
1: <laughs> com slash bonfire. And that shirt came from our friend Emily, who shared her story with us a while back. And she said, there's a TOLAC like a boss or or VBAC like a boss there. And I love our little bonfire shirts. And we have some new designs coming out from some of our most recent previous episodes. But also, I want to tell you about an episode that's coming out in the next two or three weeks. And we're actually interviewing a few CBAC moms. So parents who tried for uh, VBAC, but ended up in a repeat cesarean. And we're going to talk to them, five of them, five or six of them, and they're going to share with us their stories of about like what it's like coming out of a birth that didn't end up like they wanted to, what it's like not to get your V back, what they wish people would know about parents who tried so hard for a V back but didn't get the birth that they wanted, and and it's a, such a powerful episode, and we're really excited to to put it out to you. But that review just kind of reminded me of that, like um, it's important to us to share that things don't always go mm-hmm. do way you want. And while a lot of birth is preparation and education and confidence, some of it is just dang luck. I mean, yeah. some of it's just, just the cards you're dealt. And knowing how to deal with those things is important to us to share with you. So that's why we do it.
0: Yeah. And I, I love how she said we even, like you were just highlighting, you know, we even share those stories. And we, we've gotten a lot of messages um, and it's <laughs> actually mm, <laughs> trying to think of the word, <laughs> Honestly, <a nice> <laughs> really angry. I'm going yes. to say really angry that we do, that we do share CBAC stories. And it makes me sad when we receive these mm-hmm. messages. Although we respect everyone's opinions and feelings, we want to remind everybody that just like Julie said, it doesn't always turn out exactly how we want it to. But guess what? Even sometimes those experiences, like my second C-section, it's not what I wanted. I did not want to be on that table again, but it was a healing experience for me and a much more positive experience. And I felt so much better walking out of that situation. Right. And these are learning experiences. They're growing experiences. They're healing experiences. And Even though, yes, we do, we promote VBAC and we want you guys to know your options for VBAC. It is not fair for us to forget CBAC. It's Mm -hmm. just not. And it's important. So if you are angry, I want to say we are sorry, but we're not sorry (laughs) at the same (laughs) time. And we respect your decision not to listen to those, those episodes. But it's just so important to learn and hear um, and a lot of the times when we're struggling, I know with me personally, when I was struggling, I realized like I, there was still a lot of processing that I needed to do. And that's why I was struggling. So know that we're here for you and we're sorry if, if you're one of those angry,
1: but we love you. We love you. No matter if you're angry or happy or sad or excited, we love all of you. And if you're looking for stories that are just VBAC stories only, Um, You simply have to look at the title, and if it says so and so's V back, it's a V back story. If it says so and so's C back or so and so's uterine rupture, then it's a C back or uterine rupture story. And so that's an easy way to sift through them if you're looking for
0: specific types. And we respect your your decision not to listen to whatever ones,
1: but we wish you would because it will really help you better prepare.
2: The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan.
1: Do you want a VBAC but don't know where to start? It's easy to feel like we need to figure it all out on our own. That's what we used to do and it was the loneliest, most ineffective thing we have ever done. That's why Megan and I created our signature course, How to VBAC, the ultimate preparation course for parents that you can find at the VBAClink.com. It is the most comprehensive VBAC preparation course in the world, perfectly packaged in an online self-based video course. Together, Megan and I have helped over 800 parents get the birth that they wanted and we are ready to help you too. Head on over to the vbacklink.com to find out more and sign up today. That's the vbacklink.com. See you there. We should probably stop talking about this. You can tell it's been a little <laughs> while since we've done this, since we've recorded, because we're really super chatty right now.
0: I <laughs> just <laughs> want to turn the time over to Jessica. So All right, let's dive in. Miss Jessica, would you like to start sharing your story and stop listening to us gab? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I mean, I'm enjoying
3: the conversation, but we don't have so much time, so I'll get started. Um, I got (laughs) pregnant with my C-section baby when I was 19, and I really thought that I was invincible. Like I know a lot of teenagers have that mindset where you don't really think bad things can happen to you. So I thought I was going to have a like all natural Medicaid, like medication free birth and was preparing for that and would tell my friends how excited I was to be planning this med free birth. Uh, My aunt recommended that I went with midwives. So I found local midwives that I went with and here in Canada, they're covered by our provincial health insurance. So that's definitely um, a perk when you're a young mom being able to plan a home birth. So that's what we talked about. I wasn't opposed to a hospital birth, but they were kind of pushing home birth on me. So that was the plan. If things were going well, we would have a home birth with the baby. And then if not, we'd go to the hospital. But I didn't think we'd end up at the hospital because I thought everything would go as planned being young and not understanding how births can be complicated. So Uh, I was 39 weeks and four days pregnant when my water broke. And my first thought was, oh, the baby's going to be here in 12 hours now. Everybody goes into labor when their water breaks, but it didn't happen. Um, So the midwives confirmed the water broke and they said, oh, just rest, sleep it off. Labor usually starts anywhere between 48 to 72 hours. Um, Most people within 24 hours, but they said we could wait till Friday And then the next day we woke up and I had a new midwife on call and she said, oh, well, we should just go in and induce. And I was eager to meet my baby. I was tired of being pregnant and I didn't know what an induction was or that there were risks with an induction. I just thought, okay, I'll get some medication and get it going and the baby will be here in a couple hours. But that wasn't the case. I was four centimeters dilated when I showed up to the hospital, which they said was great and that labor would probably be quick and the baby would be here soon but 12 hours after starting pitocin i was still only four centimeters so they suggested that we throw the natural birth plan out the window and get an epidural but that vaginal birth was still possible after getting the epidural my baby started having non-reassuring heart rates and because of the lack of progression they suggested a cesarean. And I agreed, not knowing that there was anything else we could try to get me to dilate. Like, I'd been laying on my back for hours at this point. We didn't try turning the epidural down. We didn't even try peanut ball. We just went straight for the OR. And the surgery was three hours after they were concerned about the non reassuring heart rate. So, looking back, I'm like, was it really that urgent? They made it seem urgent. But I always question if maybe we could have tried more things, but I didn't know that there were things to try. I thought birth just happened and that you couldn't really have any power to change that. Uh, My recovery was horrible. My incision didn't close properly and it took three months before I was healed enough to function normally. And I found that recovery really traumatizing and never wanted another surgery like that again. So when I got pregnant 15 months later, my goal was be back all the way and I really didn't want to end up on the table again, mostly because of the recovery and my fear of missing out on a summer with my toddler. So I planned a home birth again, and I was more adamant this time that it was going to be a home birth. I went to the pool this time, and I made a whole binder filled with resources from the feedback link. I printed out stuff from ACOG and um, SOCG, which is the Canadian version of ACOG and had all the documents I could about VBAC and would bring it to the midwives because they were more cautious and on the medical side, they said a hospital birth might be a better choice for VBAC, but I was adamant that I wanted to be at home and they supported me with that decision. But then I was 40 weeks and I had been doing everything, walking every day, mile circuit, bouncing on my ball, Uh, Drinking all the red raspberry leaf teeth, everything I could to get my labor going. Um, And then my water broke again. And I was in denial the first day. Like I didn't even tell my husband. I kept it to myself. I was like, this can't be real. Like My water can't break before labor again because I knew that that wasn't a good sign for me. Eventually, I did call my midwife and I let her know, but I told her that my water had been broken significantly less time than it had because I didn't want her to push induction and I didn't want her to push repeat cesarean. So she came, confirmed that my waters had been broken, and we agreed that the next day we'd go to the hospital for a non-stress test. And when we went there, we had a consultation with the OB who uh, looked at me and said we have to do a C-section. There's no other option. If we do another induction, you're going to fail. Like your body couldn't birth your first baby. And I guess I had a s- ultrasound at some point in my third trimester and they were estimating that the baby was going to be in the 97th percentile. Oh, man. So they said, yeah, they were like, this baby's too big. Like she's not going to, or we didn't know it was a girl, but they said the baby's not going to fit. You need a C-section. And i said well what's my do i have any other options and they're like well we can't force you to have a c-section so you can go home <sighs> and so we went home
0: <laughs> and good for you. Good, yes, for you good for you though
3: yeah the OB and the midwife weren't that happy but i said i'll come back for nsts every day until i go into labor i'm not opposed to that but i didn't want to agree to a c-section and then the next morning i woke up with the green tinge um, on the pad that was collecting the amniotic fluid. And I knew that wasn't a good sign. So I called the midwife and let her know. And I guess they had been scheduling C-sections for me every day in case I agreed to one. So she's like, okay, we have a OR ready. Are um, you serious? Yeah. They
0: were, just natu- they were just doing that behind your back? They were just, yep. <laughs> preparing, oh, wow. yeah. So they said, you can
3: show up at the hospital for 11 a.m. and the baby will be here by 2. And it was the day, like when I got pregnant, I was hoping that the baby would come this, that day. So I was like, kind of like, okay, I guess at least I got the birthday I wanted. Um, But in the car, I was crying to my husband saying, like, I really don't want this surgery. And I know that I can't be pregnant longer with meconium or an infection. And it's not fair to the baby to put my birthing desires ahead of their safety. But I said, I will take tomorrow as the baby's birthday if that means i can birth this baby vaginally and what happened was we showed up at the hospital and it was a different ob on call he was the one that had done the big baby ultrasound and predicted the size so i was like oh shoot like he's definitely going to want to do this c-section like there's no getting out of this now Um, but we show up and everybody is telling him how my birth was failure to progress last time that the induction didn't go well um, and all this stuff, the reasons why I should have the C-section. And he uh, asked them, oh, well, how long have the uh, membranes been ruptured? And they said, oh, about 48 hours at least at this point. And he said, why haven't we done a cesarean yet? And they said, oh, she doesn't want a C-section. And he's like, well, then why haven't they done an induction? And they said, oh, all the other OBs refuse induction because she can't give birth, essentially. And so he uh, asked for my operative report, and looked it over and they didn't list failure to progress as the reason for the c section. They only listed the non reassuring fetal heart tones. So he said, Okay, based on that, um, if the we'll do an ultrasound and see how big this baby is, but he's like, I think an induction is a reasonable option here. That's even though there's a low success rate, we'll go ahead with it. If that's what she wants. And so they did an ultrasound. They were guessing that the baby would be around eight pounds. And we went ahead with Pitocin and they did a low dose. And it was going really well until I hit transition. So I made it to eight centimeters unmedicated. And then I was begging for the epidural. Um, but this was during COVID. I was wearing a mask and it was just me and my husband. And my husband wasn't the greatest support. He was freaking out the whole time. So we got that epidural. And then uh, within two hours of the epidural, I had a really pain free, easy pushing and birth. And um, they did take her to the NICU for like a half an hour, just because the membranes had been ruptured so long, they wanted a pediatrician to look her over. But she was totally healthy. And only weighed eight pounds, nine ounces. So not 97th percentile at all.
0: Oh, figure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, sometimes, you know what? Sometimes they're spot on. They, they Sometimes they really are. They're like really close, right? But it seems like nine times out of 10, this is my own number. They're not. Yeah, they're, not. they're they be way off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's so awesome. I love how you're like, you know, I worked through this, I was working really hard and I found this, I found a spot and I needed something different. And I got that because I think a lot of people that want to go unmedicated that choose an epidural in the end, they really can beat themselves up. And I loved hearing that you were like, yeah, this is, I had a mask on. I was hot. I was eight centimeters. i had been doing this for a long time and I needed an epidural and I wanted an epidural and I feel good about that. And I love that you pointed that out because it's, it's not, you know, and you were used this word earlier when you're like, oh, you, if we induced you, you'd fail, which clearly you didn't. But like that fail word, we let that fail word creep into the birth world way too often, in my opinion. Um, because like, if we don't go unmedicated, we failed. If we don't have a vaginal birth, we failed. If we don't get, you know, if we don't go into spontaneous labor and get induced, we failed. If we, you know, like (laughs) if we don't breastfeed our baby, we failed. And there's just, there's so many fails out there. And I just want to wipe them all away, you know, get the biggest bottle of Windex and just wipe it all down because there's no failing in birth. There's no failing in birth. If you step back and you look at what we as humans are doing, wow. It's incredible, right? So, I love it. I love that you took charge and you're like, "I'm going home and I'll be back." And I know when I need to be back. <laughs> and hey, these are the options and I'm glad that I'm glad that he was willing to induce and supported you and that you deserved that completely.
3: Yeah, but it definitely um, goes to show the luck of the draw because if it had been a different OB, it would have been...
0: A totally a different, different story. story. Yeah. No, I I agree. And, you know, and that's something when we talk about finding providers, I'm just going to be talking on a whole bunch of random stuff, Julie. I love it. I love <laughs> wow. too. So when you're done, I'll do my stuff. <laughs> yeah, perfect. So finding providers, right? So with VBAC specifically... And and I encourage first-time parents to go out there and find a provider in the way that a lot of VBAC parents find a provider, if that makes sense. Go out there and ask them the questions and really from the very beginning see what this provider's thoughts are on cesarean. So when it comes down to it, when you don't when you find out like Julie and I did that your provider has like a 46% c-section, right? After you the know, fact. yeah, after the fact but you could know these things before the fact yes. and save yourself a lot of potential heartache in different ways, right? So anyway, incur- I encourage everyone to go out there and find their provider. And one of the questions that I feel is super important when you are looking for a provider is, will you be at my birth no matter what? And if no, if the answer is no, who will be at my birth? And do they have the same views as you? And honestly, don't hesitate to say, I need their names. I want to meet them. And Mm -hmm. don't hesitate to interview them and say, what are your thoughts on C-section? Not do you support C-section? Yes or no. What are your thoughts? I mean, mean (laughs) V-back. I mean, V-back. Yeah. As I'm saying, (laughs) I'm like, wait, um, V-back. Do you support V-back? Yes or no? Those are just easy questions. To be like, of course I do. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, do have yeah, you, you want. Yeah, <laughs> but like, really, what are your thoughts on feedback? What's your experience with feedback? Ask them these open-ended questions, but do not hesitate if your provider says, "You know what? It could be me, John, Jack, or Jill." No, oh, no. <laughs> uh really it could be any of these people don't hesitate to interview them because like she said it could have been it, it was the luck of the draw and luckily she got you know she got the good one um that was willing to work with her and support her so that's my little snippet on snip pit snip, <laughs> snip pit Snippet on um Hannah was painting condos all day yesterday, oh, so she's a little no. tired. <laughs> I am so tired. I couldn't even get my butt up this morning on time to get to the gym. I went oh. to the gym, but not on time. Oh, um, wait, can I add something to that really fast? Yeah, of
1: course. Um, and then I'll t- and then I'll let you go back on your um snippets. My snippet. Um, snippet. <laughs> snip <bit. laughs> I had a client yesterday text me. She's going to her 36-week appointment today. And at my first uh, prenatal appointment with my clients, I always give them a list of questions to take to their provider. I actually stole Megan's idea. I stole it from Megan. So Megan, did? Did. Megan does this what too. Idea? And then I, the one where you're just like, oh, ask your provider about IV access, eating and drinking during labor, um, induction, due dates, what to do after your water breaks, all those questions. I use them too now. So she she texted me and she was like, okay, I have my 36-week appointment tomorrow. We're having our second prenatal tonight, actually, which is really fun. But she said, I'm having my 36-week prenatal. Is there any specific questions I should ask my provider? I'm like, okay, well, if you already asked the questions that I gave you at our last visit and you have a different provider today, then ask them those same questions. Because she's in a practice with three different providers that rotate, three different OBGYNs, which is actually a really small number. Uh, which is great because you have less chance of getting some random person you've never met. But but every provider differs a little bit in how they approach birth or sometimes a lot. Sometimes they differ drastically. Like clearly with Jessica's providers, you know, the one was just like, so anti-VBAC, we got a scheduled cesarean. The other provider came in and was like, well, why haven't we started inducing her yet? And those views and opinions are so important And as many providers' views you can know ahead of time, ahead of going into your birth, will help you be able to navigate through those views and opinions as you navigate through your labor. And you'll be able to anticipate, oh, so-and-so isn't really a fan of induction, or so-and-so would rather me have a VBAC, or so-and-so wishes I would go into labor before 41 weeks, or whatever, whatever it ends up being. But the more providers you talk to and ask questions to, Ask the same questions to all of the different providers. Just because one provider answered your question in a way that is satisfactory to you doesn't mean another provider in the in the practice will. Then I also told her, and this is something I started telling all my clients: question everything, everything they suggest or recommend. Ask why. Why are we doing this? You can use a brain acronym. What are their benefits? What are their risks? What are the? Are there any alternative options? And then really, I only say like, what, what happens if we do nothing? Just question everything, even if you don't think it's a bad idea. Question why we're doing it because that creates a really positive dialogue between you and your provider and let your provider know that you're an educated and informed decision maker and participant of your birth. It creates trust between you and your provider. Your provider is going to learn to trust you and your ability to think critically and make decisions surrounding your circumstances. And you're going to create more trust of your provider, or maybe you'll find out that you don't trust your provider and then you'll have to make a change there. And so that was just on my mind, like from my conversation last night with my client, she's like, what questions do I ask? Well, ask the same exact questions to a different provider who may be at your birth. What's your next Uh, snippet,
0: Megan? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I just, um, I love everything that you just said. And I wanted to also talk on prom, Um, like I talked about in the beginning of the episode, because, yeah, like 48 hours before labor had started and before anyone was willing to do anything, right? So, prom, this is something that when it happened to me, I was told it's like, 10% of people, right? That happens to 10% of people. And then it happened to me three times. (laughs) It's like, what? How is that even possible? It happened two out
1: of my three spontaneous labors as well.
0: Yeah, it's so crazy. So, but we have a study here and it says that it, you know, like actually happens 8% of term pregnancies. And it does typically start within 24 to 46 hours of water breaking. But if it doesn't, what can we do? You know, what What are some things that we can do to maybe try and get things going while we're waiting? Rest, one is rest. So as Jessica did, she went home. And where's the best place to rest? It's at home where you're comfortable. You're in your space and you can have your bed and everything right there. So rest rest rest. It is so important to just rest because when labor does begin, as I'm sure Jessica will contest, it's hard work, right? We're going to need that energy. We need that energy and so really really rest. Now, it doesn't mean you need to be out cold snoring. Okay? It although that's great. <laughs> if you can actually sleep, that's great because You know, as you're sleeping, oxytocin hormone is kicking in and and producing. And it's just, it's so great. But rest, just rest your body. You don't go out and feel like you have to run up the hills to try and get labor going. Number two suggestion would be get that baby in a good position. Now, as we've been learning over the um, 2020 year and even 2019 year, We don't have to have these babies in any specific spot. It's called balance. We need to find balance for this baby to find the right spot for them. So we really always suggest to our own clients and people out there, mile Circuit, spinning babies with three sisters, going and, you know, resting on each side, doing sideline and things like that to really encourage baby getting in that good position. Number three is avoiding routine cervical checks and watch your temperature. So as Jessica mentioned in her story, when she was going to the hospital, you know, she didn't want to, um, I'm trying to remember Jessica, what you act like the exact words, but like you didn't want to risk, you know, the health of your baby based off of infection and meconium and things like that for the birth that you desired. But something that we can do to watch and make sure that things are going okay and we're not getting into a risky situation is avoiding cervical exams. Now, with Jessica being at home, she was avoiding those cervical exams a lot of the times. Now, this is here in Utah. I'm not sure what's very standard in other states and countries, but every two hours or so, providers or nurses will... Suggest a cervical exam because they want to see what progress is being made in those two hours Sometimes it's a hey, i'll just listen to your body and see what's going on and then we'll check if anything dramatic changes But a lot of the times especially when it, we're kind of waiting to see What's going on if waters or if labor is going to really begin and what we're wanting to do They'll encourage it every couple hours and avoiding That is The best we can do because we don't need unnecessary bacteria going into our vaginas right and that's um, the
3: one thing they did well, is good. they didn't do a cervical check until we went for the scheduled C-section. So even at the NST the day before, it was completely hands-off. And yeah, they really waited until we knew that the baby was going to be coming within a reasonable timeframe before anybody did anything to increase the risk of infection. That's so really awesome.
0: Great. Yeah, that's really, really great. And. It's okay to say, I don't want my cervix checked right now. Nothing different has seemed or I'm not feeling anything different or nothing has really changed to the point where I feel that it warrants a cervical exam. Also, watching your temperature. So especially if you're going to labor at home, it's a good idea if your water breaks to just check your temperature and be mindful of how you're feeling. We say this because if bacteria um, starts growing and an infection begins, it is common to get a fever. That's our body's natural reaction to fight against infection. And sometimes we can get fevers even in labor because we're laboring really, really hard. So our body temperature can go up. But a lot of the times we can get an infection or a fever with an infection or like the baby's heart rate is really high. Also a side effect of an epidural.
1: It, yes, it, can be it is. and and can be not be a sign of infection at all
0: if you do have exactly. epidural. And that's something exactly. to, to remember. Yeah, something to remember. And another sign that infection could be um, present is a baby's heart rate is actually high. So, anyway, taking your temperature and being mindful of how you're feeling. So if you're feeling great and then all of a sudden you like are feeling really awful, like you're getting the flu and you have a fever and you're at home it may be a good idea to go into wherever you're going unless you're at home then you discuss this with your provider but go to the hospital or your birthing location and see you know further assess and see what next steps need to be taken Um, but those are three ideas that you can do when your water breaks to try and help things going and obviously like activity and things like that those are all help as well i'm pumping but those are some of our three tops.
1: I mean, I think I wrote that blog. So
0: You did write that <laughs> I think blog. it might
1: be due for a rewrite because I think it needs to be updated. I was reading through
0: it earlier mm-hmm. and I was like, well, I write a little differently now. Did you, did you notice that, Megan? No. Yes. You guys, we have so many blogs. So if you haven't checked out our blogs, check it out. It's the vbacklink.com slash blog. We have tons of blogs. Yes, we are rewriting blogs. We're writing new blogs. So give it a look. We've got, I mean, seriously, we've got them almost on all the topics, the main topics, and even then some. So
1: I want to kind of make note that Jessica's, her cesarean birth and her vback birth were both Induced births and they both started out in kind of a similar way, and she still had very different outcomes. And a lot of times, we, when we're preparing for VBAC, get kind of hung up on mental hurdles of, and and whenever we get past the point of what where cesarean happened, we can like mentally finally mentally release that. Right? It's so like like I dilated to a four before my cesarean. And so once I was in like active labor, I was like riding high. I'm like, this is great. Like I'm totally going to do this. And I see that with a lot of my clients. Sometimes they get to 10 and pushing before they have their cesarean, but sometimes they weren't even given a fair chance at all. And when labor starts out the same, like Megan, I remember with you, with your third birth, your V back after two C-section baby, your water broke before labor started again for the third time. And I remember you saying about how frustrated you are that it, you felt like it was all happening again.
0: Yeah, and- <laughs> I was throwing a fit in the driveway, like throwing my arms up in the air, stomping, and like everybody, like my neighbor was out and just like looking at me. And my husband's like, "Just let her, just let her." And you're her. just like, "Just <laughs> yeah," and like. Yeah, it was just hard for. Well, it was just hard. Like in this one, I had like a couple contractions before, but like really nothing. Like my water broke. Right. And I was just like, why does it have to happen like this again? Why can't I just go into labor before this happens and just throwing a fit? But you know, it was great. (laughs) And i great. And you got your vaginal
1: birth. And Jessica, you got your V back after your cesarean. And well, V back is in, you know, like inherently after cesarean. But anyway. I just want to say that like, just because your birth starts out similarly to your cesarean birth does not mean it is going to end the same way. And sometimes we get hung up on that and mental blocks can hang up labor. And so do your best to, as you prepare going into your birth and your, your VBAC journey that you are ready to accept All different ways for labor to start, whether it's induced, whether it's natural, whether you plan on going unmedicated, but end up deciding to get the epidural because that's the best choice for you and your baby. I mean, be prepared for your your birth to take a number of different journeys, because the more journeys you can imagine and prepare for, the less likely you are to be caught off guard if those things happen during your birth.
3: I had the same meltdown when my water broke,
0: Mm, and I was like
3: crying, holding my toddler like complaining
0: <laughs> like, right no, oh.
3: twice
0: yes it was so frustrating and i think that that is something that maybe we needed to get out maybe we needed to just get all of that emotion out for us to take the next step in the next direction and even though that wasn't contractions really going right away it was a release that needed to happen so when they did start they could start well i think you
1: make a very good point too and i'm like remembering something that i read a while ago like i like i used to have my all my clients like do a fear release or something like that if i felt like they were hung up on emotions or something like that but now i'm finding myself more telling them to just do something that makes them cry just anything like watch a like watch the notebook at the end. Like my husband laughs at the end of the notebook, but I'm crying every time. Or watch your wedding video or our birth videos or or read a, a letter that your partner wrote you years ago or something, anything that lets you cry. Because once those tears start flowing, your body releases whatever emotions it's holding on to through your tears. And so who knows? Maybe you guys throwing fits and screaming and getting angry and upset and frustrated about that let your body release what it needed to in order for your labors and your births to turn out the way they did. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Okay, but Jessica, I'm gonna ask you these questions now and um, I wanna read the answer that you wrote for the first one, but you can um, say whatever you want for the second one. But the first one is, what is a secret lesson or something no one really talks about that you wish you would have known ahead of time when preparing for birth? And I absolutely love How you worded this so i'm just gonna read it word for word and you said this is a hard one i wish i would have known the statistics about complications that arise in birth as a first-time mom and what a doula was now that i'm in the birth world everything feels like common sense but as a young mom i didn't even know what pitocin induction was or that emergency c-sections could happen to anyone and i love that because i feel like all of us as first-time moms can kind of echo that sentiment of your message. Like now that you're in the birth world and you're you're studying to become a doula and all of those things, it just feels like common sense because it really does. And even I sometimes when I'm working with clients or especially first-time moms have to remind myself that they don't know what they don't know. You know, going into birth as a first-time mom is just a whole different ballgame. But I really loved how you worded that. So thank you for that. Thank you. Now, the second question is, what is your best
3: tip for someone preparing for VBAC? I think, yeah, finding the information to be able to make informed decisions or finding a doula or a person knowledgeable who can help you make those informed decisions. Because I think uh, you would hope that providers act in your best interest. But I know in my birth cases, they were telling me I had to pull up the documents and show them themselves when Mm -hmm. they said, oh, we don't induce VBACs. And I was like, this is supported right in your policy here. So it'd be helpful if. I didn't do all that work myself to have somebody who was knowledgeable, like a doula, to be there to provide the information and the knowledge needing to make empowered and informed decisions.
0: Ah, so many good messages in this. Thank you so much, Jessica, again, for sharing your story and being with us today. Thank you for having me.
2: Interested in sharing your VBAC? Head over to the dot com slash share to submit your story. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julian and Megan's bios, head over to vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC Link.